Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. Today we're doing a special episode. I did not know I was going to run into a Coast Guard auxiliarist today, but I am very fortunate to have the opportunity to run into Mr. Campbell, who is a United States Coast Guard auxiliarist. So he's here to tell you about himself, his career, what he does, and what the role of the Coast Guard auxiliary is, because I honestly, before I joined the Coast Guard, I hadn't even heard of the auxiliary, and I still, before starting this episode, know very little about it. So without further ado, here's Mr. Campbell. Good afternoon. Uh, as he said, my name is Auxiliary, well, my name is Scott Campbell. I'm an auxiliarist in the United States Coast Guard. So we asked, what is the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary? It was a story that going back to prior to World War II, as things were building up in Europe and in the Far East, uh, the Coast Guard did not have a reserve component. So in 1939, an act of Congress was passed into law that created the United States Coast Guard as a volunteer reserve for the Coast Guard. A couple of years later, the actual Coast Guard Reserve was created, and the auxiliary then became renamed the Coast Guard Auxiliary. Since 1939, we have been an actual branch of the Coast Guard under the various cabinet positions that the Coast Guard has been under, going all the way from Commerce to Treasury to Transportation and now Department of Homeland Security. Coast Guard Auxiliarists can train and qualify to do just about everything a regular Coast Guardian can do, uh, with the exception of handling weapons. We may not uh, cite or detain people for infractions. And the other thing is that we're volunteers. We don't get paid, except if we're under orders somewhere and we would get per diem for that. For instance, off to a school or something. We also can go to sea schools to train in various specialties. So I'm very curious to ask not knowing much about the auxiliarists, is that when you talk about branches of the Coast Guard, you're referring to there's active duty, reservists, and auxiliarists. And, of course, our civil service workforce, too. Right, the civilian I mean, component that, of the Coast Guard. That's team Coast Guard. You know, it's the, it's the regular, the reserves, the auxiliarists, and the civil service. But now when a reservist or a active duty Coastie wants to enlist in the Coast Guard, they go to the recruiter's office, they fill out papers, and go to boot camp. What is the auxiliarist process? Auxiliarist process is much simpler. You can go to the Coast Guard Auxiliary's website, which is cgaux, the C-G-A-U-X dot org, and you can find a unit near yourself there and contact them about the possibility of joining. Eligibility requirements, minimum age 17, no maximum age. You can be 103 if you want to serve in the Coast Guard Auxiliary. You are eligible to do so based on your age. Must be a U.S. citizen, but I understand they're coming down now about to 
allow green card and, you know, quote, uh, resident aliens to serve as well. I don't have any firm information on that. You are uh, subjected to a background check with fingerprinting and photographing. So we are part of the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, there's no two ways about it. We are, we are Coast Guard. Right. And I know I had some friends actually in college who were interested in starting an auxiliary program at my school. So mm-hmm. can you do affiliate auxiliary programs as like a club on college campuses? Is that a pretty common, popular thing to do? The more common thing is one of several things. It may be a Coast Guard flotilla near a college campus such as uh, Maine Maritime, Mass Maritime, and Buzzard Bay, where they might recruit and involve auxiliaries who enlist from student body. We have a number of auxiliaries here in southern New England uh, from Massachusetts Maritime Academy. So they are students there and may yet someday become commissioned Coast Guard officers if they choose to when they graduate. But they are currently Coast Guard auxiliaries as well. Right, so that's a good way if you're interested in becoming an officer in the Coast Guard after college to get exposure to the Coast Guard while you're attending university is to join the auxiliary and participate in the Coast Guard auxiliary while earning your degree hmm. and then applying over to be a reserve officer. Well, the other thing officer. is, too, even if you don't go commission, um, there are several things that you can qualify just as in the regular Coast Guard. For instance, if you qualify for boat crew, same requirements as, you know, say as an SNBM going for boat crew, Okay, same manual, same PQSs. If you qualify for boat crew and then later enlist. You can just go to the BM RAP school. Well, no, not so much that. But you graduate from Cape May at an advanced grade. Depending on what you do within the Coast Guard Auxiliary, say boat crew, I think gets you an E2. If you get what's called an OXOP, designation, which means you've taken a bunch of core courses like communications, meteorology, search and rescue, things like that. Um, That's an E3. Okay, and then so you can get that advanced pay grade going out of boot camp to do your time in the auxiliary. If you meet the time time and grade requirements, you're up for third class already, as opposed to the recruit or the seaman deuce. Or firemen, I don't want to leave them out. We need our firemen. They keep us going. They keep the boats running. <laughs> they do. They do. The so heart we, of the boats. <laughs> yeah, so we can go out and play. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes the it. play is hard work. <laughs> Fortunately, as an auxiliarist, I haven't been at, called upon to take a chipping hammer to any buoys. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that is a nice thing. Our service is totally voluntary. Well, how did you discover the Coast Guard Auxiliary, and when did you discover it? Well, I had known about it since I was a child. My grandfather had served in the First World War as a Navy quartermaster. He served in the Coast Guard in the Second World War on a patrol boat around Portland Harbor. Portland, Maine? 
That's the only one that counts. The nah. Oregon people, they're just copycats. Sorry if there's any West Coasters out there. A lot of great Coast Guard out in the Pacific Northwest, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're also great Coast Guard in Maine. Um, history uh, and tradition. Huh? Portland, Portland, Maine, history and tradition. Well, I'm a maniac, so, and I'm allowed to use that word because it's one of those ethnic terms that if you're not one, you can't use the word. Right, it's a Mainer exclusive term to use. So yeah, you got to be a Mainer to call you to use the term maniac. <laughs> um, but he did that, and then after that, he was Coast Guard auxiliary for a lot of years, both in the uh, Portland area, but even more so in the Booth Bay area. And then you grew up in that environment. I grew up in that. I mean, he handed me Nathaniel Bowditch, who's American practical navigator. 1917 edition when I was about 14. He said, read it. The whole book? Of course, I didn't have to memorize the title tables and everything else, which is most of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a large part with all the numbers use, in the back. I, and... Before I could take the boat out, I had to use the, know how to use the sex, sextant, how to maintain it, you know, re-silver the mirror. And I've uh, grown up with a love of the sea. When I graduated from high school, I became misdirected as to where I should go to sea and enlisted in one of the other sea services that also wears blue, but they paint their ships gray rather than white with cute, cool racing stripes. Right, so you're referring to... <laughs> and they got big white numbers on the bow. <laughs> You're referring to another service, i.e. not the Coast Guard. <laughs> right, but it's a maritime service, and I uh, spent a total of 10 years there, plus a couple in the National Guard, and I got out as a first-class hospital corpsman, which in the Coast Guard is a health service. I was independent duty aboard a destroyer, not much bigger than a 378, with 300 men on board, and I was it. Did you prescribe a lot of seasickness meds on that type of platform? Or? I would not answer that question for fear that somebody might possibly think that other mariners get seasick. But let us just say I was authorized to do so. Right, okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I don't want to get in too much trouble, you know. We'll let the listener fill in what they think. They can, the they can certainly do that. <laughs> so you end up leaving the Navy and you have these corpsmen skills and experience now you became a reservist for a few years no oh, i did not oh sorry the national guard i did national guard between my first and second okay. navy edges okay so when you ended up finishing your career in the navy did you take your corpsman skills and apply them into the civilian sector absolutely and i got into nursing for a number of years i also because Navy corpsmen also serve with yet another maritime service who like to wear green. Marines don't have their own medical personnel. So the Navy corpsmen would go and... Go with the Marines. And I had messed up my hip, and I couldn't physically perform my nursing duties anymore. So I went back to school on a GI Bill, which I also want to push here, you know. Got a degree in social work, and but I eventually, you know, I want something to do with my life. I had been a reenactor for a while, and I was fine playing it, wearing a uniform. 
but I had too much experience in uniform and wanted to do more. So I checked out the auxiliary in 2007, joined, you know, they told me about it. I said, where do I sign? And so you had to go to a recruiter's office? No, that was actually, as I said, you can go to cgox.org and you can find out about a unit near you. Okay. This so you they have contact. all those auxiliary units. Um, and there is a page there if you're interested in joining the Coast Guard Auxiliary. <clears throat> There are dues every year for auxiliaries. And as I said, you will have to go through, you know, background check at a, at a federal level. We are vetted just like any other Coast Guard member. Some auxiliaries are either, even further vetted and hold actual clearances. As I said, we can do just about anything and any other Coast Guard can do as long as it doesn't involve weapons or um, direct enforcement. We can do enforcement uh, support, like we can provide a boat for a boarding crew. When you do all these jobs, they're all voluntary. So it's all on your time, your volition, your will. Is that pretty attractive sense to it, is that you don't have that contracted obligation of service? It's all on your own volunteer and merit and when it's convenient times works for you. Well, I want to answer this carefully, okay? Uh, But before I do, there's no minimum amount of service required every year for auxiliarists. You could just pay your dues every year and not go to meetings or which, you know, how the Coast Guard Auxiliary does business or not perform any services and you can still call yourself a Coast Guard Auxiliarist. That being said, many of us, and I want to say this with full acknowledgement to my active duty, my reserve, and my civil service counterparts in Team Coast Guard, do it because that's who we are. That's just who we are. You know, some of us, some people become farmers. Some people become preachers. Some people become volunteer in all sorts of things to help the community. I happen to have chosen this because I, I come from the sea. I served at sea. And for anyone who's ever been to sea, especially way out, way out of sight, you know, on the high seas, mm-hmm. there's a spiritual thing there, you know, right. that, that mariners have that landlubbers can't even begin to understand. Something will always pull you back to that, too. You never leave The sea you. can and will kill you first chance it gets, but she's your lover. You love her. You can't stay away from her. Right. 100% because... You're no married matter, to her. What about... It? <laughs> <laughs> we won't call it like a Stockholm Syndrome thing. It's much no, more not at all. Uh, not at all. It's a, it's no, this is... It's, uh, this is... it's definitely... It's, uh, it's No, a, it's like... And it, not every mariner feels this way, but it's something that some mariners do feel and experience, and it's difficult to really describe without getting religious here, and we can't do that, you know, but it, there's a spiritual side of it that you feel the presence of the universe and and your minuscule 
presence in it yet there you are doing what you're doing when the next wave could very easily sweep you out of into oblivion but any, you're there anyway any rogue wave could take you at any moment any wave you know whether it's rogue or an icy you know it can it can take your ship down but you're there and you wouldn't be any other place i always remember seeing when i'd wake up and go up to the bridge in the mornings when i sailed commercially is i get paid to look out this window and stare at the ocean and it's beautiful sunrise and there was just such a calmness and joy to being able to see that view every morning waking up to it that you may be very happy but what i enjoy even more so about the coast guard is to me i feel a sense of service over me that i'm helping other people oh absolutely Absolutely. In the Coast Guard auxiliary databases, I have credit for lives saved, okay, you know, as a result of patrol reports. We participate in search and rescue right along with the Cutters and the H-60s and the Dolphins, and we are an integral part. We are, we train to operate hand-in-hand with our reserve and regular shipmates we go into a search and rescue call we already know what we're supposed to do we've been trained in it we're just given a sector go to it and we're on the same radio channel as you know station castle hill or station south portland or wherever you may be you know whoever's running that show we also have coast guard air yeah air crew you're referring to the Jayhawks in the... Uh, no, I'm talking about fixed wing that are operated like out of the Cape Air Station and other places that are flown by auxiliaries who do flyovers and reporting too. Uh, auxiliary air crew with their commercial or their private plane. When an auxiliary facility is used for Coast Guard purposes, prior to that, an offer of use has been made by the owner to the United States government. And the United States government then registers that entity, whether it's a vessel or an aircraft or wheeled vehicle for, say, radio watches and things like that, as an actual Coast Guard facility. We go out under Coast Guard auxiliary orders. We are a Coast Guard vessel. We represent the Coast Guard. We are Coast Guard except for direct enforcement, you know, or combatant duties. We investigate spills. Oil pollution. And other forms, yes. Yeah, I mean, oil isn't the only thing. Uh, It's a big thing. Hazmat. Hazmat, too. You know, whether it's biological or chemical or whatever. We are Coast Guard Auxiliary Boat Crew members can, at the discretion of the local boat station, crew 25, 27-footers. We have Coast Guard Auxiliary Food Service people. And they go to sea. On Coast Guard cutters? Yes. Working in the galley 
they'll go for a month at a time. I can, I if I were qualified in that, I could say go out on, on the Coast Guard cutter, the same name as me, because that's a 270. You know, if I were a cook, I could go out, I could spend as much time as sea as the, the TDY orders put me there. I subsist out of the wardroom, but I am, when I'm there, I'm an actual crew member, just like everybody else. I can train and do the PQSs for Cutterman. I had no clue even the auxiliary could do all this. I, well, I, I, knew I told you in the beginning, we do everything that you do. We just don't get paid for it. So you have the whole search and rescue components. You have the aviation components, mm-hmm. the support components. Mm-hmm. Do you also have the marine inspector component? So can you assist with marine inspection? I can be a commercial fishing vessel examiner. Okay. Auxiliaries can provide non-inspected vessel examinations. For instance, the six-packs. You might want to tell your audience what a six-pack is. It's not beer. A six-pack is a vessel which has been licensed for to carry passengers for hire uh, up to six passengers. And this is the most common thing when you see some of these charter boats going out for fishing, you know, either in Casco Bay or Narragansett Bay or Buzzards Bay or wherever. Uh, or in Long Island or Sound or wherever. Right. So oftentimes people will pay a captain to go out and take them to a good fishing spot, and there'll be four or five people that can go out commercially fishing. This would fall under that six-pack category. Yes. And where the Coast Guard Auxiliary can really help with this is that there's so many vessels that need Coast Guard inspection for safety equipment especially making sure, you know, all their life jackets, the life reins are good, all their safety fixtures are set. Because safety is the number one priority when you're taking a boat out on the water, as you know how dangerous it is. I can certify, for instance, as a uh, uh, Coast Guard um, life raft inspector. So the 25-man caps with life rafts, you can inspect those? If I get trained and do the PQS, yes, I can be certified to do that. That must help the active duty out so much with how strong they are in some places. I was training for a while as an auxiliary assistant uh, pollution response technician. And so you would go out there and assist with the coordination of cleanup efforts? Anything that you do. I went out with the ME to get people out of sector on the Block Island Ferry. I didn't wear body armor and didn't carry a weapon. I was out there uh, addressing the public and telling them about America's Waterway Watch, AWW. We can talk about that maybe in another visit. It's, it's something very worth looking into. It's a program that the Coast Guard has for c- civilians. See something, say something. Kind of like calling right. the national desk, only it's a specific number. So if you see someone... Doing something, you know, play, like they're doing something strange around the abutment of a bridge. Call, Call that number and Coast Guard will look into it. If it's an actual emergency thing, of course, it's 911. 
But we there is such a program, and I don't have any literature with me today, but look that up and we can talk later. America's Waterway Watch. Yes. The eyes and ears of the Coast Guard, more than any other service, are our citizenry and residents around waterways. We can't be everywhere. We're too small a service. We're too spread to be able to see so much coastline. But you know something? We are part of the Department of Homeland Security. And like the rest of DHS, we're reliant on the American public to let us know, and I'm saying Coast Guard in general, not just the auxiliary, to let us know if they see something that doesn't look right. Yes. But anyway, I've been out on the ferries doing public presentations on that. I've been involved with verification of atons. I've been involved with teams that went out, you know, checking bridges and the like. So if you see any lights not properly lit on the buoy, you'll call district yeah. to let them know? No, we'll call, we'll call you know, the sector response. Or for some of us who know the number, we'll call the Aton station, you know. The ant, we'll go fix it. <laughs> yeah, the ant station. Reprogram. Um, at times are assigned to go aboard uh, whale watches and just observe. Are there any takes being done illegally? Are they getting too close to the whales? Is that as an undercover position or in uniform? I've never done it undercover. They know we're aboard, so it's like, you know. We have been proctors in uh, maritime license examination centers. People taking the captain's license, want to make sure nobody cheats. That can be done. I'm familiar with those people. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what else. We spoke about here. There's a Coast Guard auxiliarist who works out at the Cape Air Station in uh, the machine shop. He goes in there and works every day in the machine shop. Just why? Because that's who he is. And he's also an ox chef. So he's been out to sea on uh, deployments, too. Well, I guess I'd like to ask you this, then, is if I was to pick a raid in the Coast Guard, so let's say that I go... Maritime Enforcement Specialist. I'm very much an in-rate person. I'm doing ME-rated stuff. Now, you as the auxiliarist come in. Are you fluid? Can you move around easier? Because if I wanted to switch rates, and I also want to become a storekeeper, something completely different than I mean. I can do anything I want to. There's a huge And not do anything I don't want to. (laughs) So you can go and be fluid, more fluid. Well, prior to working here up until the covid mandatory stand down in March of 2020, I was an actual team member of waterways management for sector southeastern New England. I was involved with processing marine permitting, putting out uh, local notices to mariners, marine safety information bulletins, uh, drafting radio announcements, you know, over uh, channel 16 and, and 21. I went out with the inspections team to a shipyard down in North Kingstown. Um, Over in the Quonset shipyard? Yes. Jay Good is in? 
and doing actual inspection on a com- in a company there that was building barges and fishing boats. Wow. Okay, I was out there with that team. I can specialize in a number of areas, but I'm not confined to those areas. And Or I can just, like, here, be a generalist. Right now, I'm working with the recruiters, and I love it. Well, it's so nice to have you here, too, because the recruiters, they, they were just saying that they have a 30-person wait list in applicants. And they're a great crew. And they're a great crew. You there to be able to help take calls and talk yes, to prospective yeah. recruits? Well, you had a previous interview going on where some phone calls came in, and you noticed none of them had to get up and answer the phone. Yes. <laughs> that was because I was here, and I was able to address, you know, and help the people on the other end of the line get the information they needed. And that is the first step in their journey to the Coast Guard. It is. And you know something, too? The calls here aren't necessarily involving recruiting. We can get calls to to the public. We're the Coast Guard. Gee, how many fire extinguishers do I have to have on my boat? There we are, right there. U.S. Coast Guard doesn't. They don't see the recruiter part. So they just call you up as thinking, oh, the Coast Guard is going to answer us this question. Well, we are, and especially in the case of the auxiliary, but recruiters too, are the public face of the Coast Guard. We are the Coast Guard, the people, the good people. (laughs) Uh, See, the bad guys, they see another side of us. You know, and uh, we're very good at what we do with that too. I don't do we don't do any of it directly in the auxiliary, but we can do support roles in that. So, if I see you in a Coast Guard uniform, is there anything distinguishing that I can tell as the auxiliary? Yes, um, my name tape. Well, if I'm wearing operational dress uniform, which other services like to call utilities, the Service name tape over my left pocket will say USCG Auxiliarist. And that's how we can identify if you're an auxiliarist? Or regular Coast Guard, reserve, or regular. There's no differentiation in their uniform. Also, if I wear a device signifying my position within the auxiliary, for instance, I'm wearing what you might think was a lieutenant's bars. Well, that's an auxiliary office designation. The two silver bars. I am not a lieutenant in the Coast Guard. Seaman Deuce tells me to do something. He's superior to me. I can't give him an order. I can transmit it from somebody else. You know, Chief says he wants you to go do this or that. But I can't tell, I can't tell Seaman Deuce what to do, you know. I'm not his boss. I'm his shipmate. That's really cool to have that opportunity as an auxiliarist to be able to do all those things, too. It is, and to be doing it in the service, because I've served with a, I've served in one other service, two other services, and served with yet another one. Uh, I have yet to serve in the Air Force uniform. I'm not looking to, but... I'm doing a cool job in the service that has the coolest mission of all. How many lives have we saved today? And somewhere here is that 
on average day. Hold this up for you right here. On average day, we sell we save twelve lives. Auxiliary is a big part of that. We are the public relations side too of recreation boating safety. We're the ones with the booths and the boat shows, talking to people about life jackets, handing out the literature, uh, talking to people about taking a safe boating course, talking to people about getting a free vessel safety check in which any discrepancy we find, you will not be cited. We will just give you a list of the things that need to be corrected. We don't cite you. We just want you to get on board and have a safe boat so that when you come out, you all come home. So when that list there says 12 lives saved on a daily basis. That includes auxiliary. Countless other lives, though, that you're saving with good practice and seamanship. Well, look at the just life jackets. The vast majority of recreational boating fatalities involve no life jacket. That's correct. Which says, you know, if you wore a life jacket, you might still be here today. No. Um, it's unfortunate. We have kind of a foxhole humor, you know, when we see, you know, a recreational boat going out in the bay and nobody's wearing, or the kids are wearing life jackets, but the adults aren't. And we'll say, oh, look, those kids, you know, are wearing life jackets, but they're going to be orphans because the grown-ups aren't wearing them. And, you know, the sea you know, have something dis- bounces you out of the boat. The sea doesn't differentiate no. how old you are, if you can swim, if you can tread. Neptune doesn't care. That's right. Davy Jones doesn't care. And safety first is the number one priority. We've been involved also with ant stations, you know, going out and helping them. The chipping hammer doesn't care who's holding it. <laughs> Or a scraper or whatever. Um, it's just 60 people in distress a day. Yeah, sometimes that distress might be, oh, Coast Guard Auxiliary, unlike the Coast Guard, or much more so than the Coast Guard, will actually, in the absence of uh, commercial marine tow services, we will tow people back to safe harbor. We're trained to do side-by-side and follow on towing evolutions. So if there's an engine casualty... Engine casualty, yeah. Auxiliary can Out of fuel. Out of fuel. Poor planning. Uh, but it's that's what keeps both you and me, gives us both job security. I don't like to use the word stupid pre- referring to people. But there is a joke, as I'm sure you've heard here in the Coast Guard, about our job security you know, and we have job security because you can't fix stupid. Endless job security. <laughs> yeah, because people go out there mostly out of ignorance. They don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. We have safe boating courses. You know, they get that Coast Guard card now, which now you have to have, or a state ID, state card, in order to operate a uh, personal watercraft. I'm trying not to use brand names. <laughs> we are not sponsored this episode. <laughs> um, but, you know, just a general watercraft. No, but personal watercraft. Mm-hmm. Most, now, if you're going to drive one, you have to, have, you have to have gone through a safety course. 
If you're born after 1988, if you're going to drive a boat, you need that course. You need that card. We are the ones who teach it. We've been doing that. We do have a partner agency with that, and that is the United States Power Squadron, who, unlike the auxiliary, which is part of, you know, by statute, part of the Coast Guard, and, you know, my boss is the Commandant, just as yours is, um, the Power Squadrons are affiliated with, but not part of the Navy. Uh, And you see the same thing with the Civil Air Patrol. They are affiliated with, but not part of the Air Force. The auxiliary is one is of actually four parts, parts of, of the Coast Guard. Since, you know, under Title 33, United States Code, out of 1939. Like you said, you make up a third of the Coast Guard's manpower. About that, yes. So then, I, I guess I want to tail into... And we don't charge for our services, so we save the taxpayers a heck of a lot of money. Correct, because the Coast Guard auxiliary mm. is not coming out of the taxpayers. I'll go do what uh, you do for free. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to get that paycheck. That's just great, though, that we have so many members of the auxiliary that want to serve voluntarily. And we can always use more. I don't care whether you serve full-time, like 2,000 or more hours a year. There are people who do that. Um, Or you serve 15 minutes a year. And by the way, we get to use the CGX, which... We know has amazing benefits to the exchange privilege. Hey, you want a tax-free big screen TV? You know? You want to pay sales tax on it? And... We actually carry Homeland Security, U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary. You have an auxiliary card. Yeah, it's a federal ID. And that's your what you use to get on the base. Yeah. It's similar works to the i got to get it replaced because it's been degrading a bit. But. So then what would your recommendation be if someone was interested in the Coast Guard but maybe didn't want to do the serving commitment? Would you say auxiliary is a nice path to consider if... They want to oh, serve absolutely. In the Coast Guard. We have had people both considering enlistment or even candidates awaiting their plebe summer in New London join our flotillas and serve. We have cadets from the Maritime, Acad- Maritime Academies. There may be detachments of flotillas on the actual campuses because detachments can be temporary. They're set up by one flotilla and governed by that flotilla. Right. You know, like, for instance, for a while there was a detachment on the USS Massachusetts, Battleship Cove. And that was one of those flotilla detachments. Yeah, to do public education on board USS Massachusetts with their 16-inch guns. This is amazing, the opportunities that you can be a part of. Well, seek and the, it, it, the board. I think our Coast Guard audience already knows that there's so much that we do. They see you. I mean, because they're doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like um, you're on a cutter, 
you know, you see some person, you know, SK3, but they're not just doing storekeeping. You know, if they need, they need some people to help. They're doing you know? the short ties, more in line. And you know Always something? We're shipmates. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing. We're shipmates. We're all shipmates. You know, and, and that too is something that a land lover might not grasp. You know, the concept of shipmate. Because you know something? From out there, in the deep blue, and I have to reach out my hand, I know your hand's going to be there. And the same in reverse. That's your family. Hmm. For life. Hmm. That got your back, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's it's incredible just to hear about the stories of the Auxiliaris. And we do so much more. There's also, a, a, there's also a fellowship part of it. We have picnics. Integrated you know? with the community. Yeah, we get have get-togethers, parties, Christmas parties, or shall I say holiday, winter holiday parties. We have cookouts. My flotilla has done cookouts down at Cold State Park in Bristol. You know, just get a site and bring the grills and burgers and hot dogs. And Bristol's a very nice community to have that in. Yes, beautiful it is. Town. Beautiful yeah. town. And Colt State Park is beautiful, too. I like fishing off that dock there. So, it's to me, it's just it's so nice because you can just hear the passion you talk with and the love you have for the Coast Guard and just helping the community out. And it's very pure to the service that we have so many people like you that, you know, the auxiliary is that such a big component. But we have it in the regulars and reserves and civilians too. It's the entire Coast Guard. It's the entire Coast Guard. Our mission, you know, the Marines aren't out there normally looking to rescue and save people. It's not what they do. The Navy is not out there doing search and rescue for some recreational boater. If they become involved in one in the area, they'll participate, of course, mm-hmm. because that's that's just the the way of the waves. Humanitarian thing to do. <laughs> it's the, yeah. That's what mariners do. Yeah. Um, Solas. Safety of life at sea. And again, because they're mariners, and one mariner knows that if you see another mariner's hand reached out, you grab it. And it'll always be there. It's like almost mentally impossible. And you know something? We get guilty when we when we fail. It's not a failure, actually, in search and rescue when we're not when it's not fruitful, but it's kind of like an emergency room nurse in, 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 a, in a cardiac arrest. You know, they're get, doing chest compressions and pumping meds into the person's veins and shocking them and everything else. At the end, if that person doesn't make it, you question yourself. You wonder, you know, as opposed to like if the person makes it, it's like, yes, we do a lot of drug seizures. But I'm going to talk to you about one drug that you can do as much as you want of. Doesn't matter what drug you're into. I don't care whether it's alcohol. I don't care if it's cocaine or heroin. There is no high higher than the 
boost you get from saving another human being's life. There is nothing higher. You cannot get higher than that. Exactly. You know, um, everything else just pales in comparison. You will never, unless you save another life, and you become addicted to it. Emergency room nurses, I was one, you know, get addicted to the adrenaline. You know, surfboat stations, surfman stations. The surfmen. They 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 live for it. Mm-hmm. They're out there in the roughest. The, of the, there's there's only one reason they exist, you know, and that's to go out there and fight the elements and bring somebody home. The rest of the Coast Guard, of course, we all do the same thing too. Again, it's a spiritual thing. You mm-hmm. know, when we do something for our fellow human being, and when we ask for nothing in return, you know something. And this is just your general audience. Somebody go gets on channel sixteen and says Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Auxiliary or regular, the wheels automatically start turning. We're grabbing markers, getting ready to write down position and and there's, there's people revving up those engines out at the air station, getting ready to take off and once that 860 Jayhawk takes off it's costing about $10,000 an hour for the fuel for that thing but it's instant snap but you know something we're wired we we rescue you it's no bill your local ambulance they'll send you a bill we won't you paid that bill on April fifteenth when you filed your taxes, because that's really who we were, who we work for, American people. We're service, and for we're the serving. mariners out there on the people. ocean. I still can't sing or listen to "Eternal Father, Strong to Save" without getting tears. "Eternal Father, Strong to Save," whose arm hath found the restless wave. Who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us while we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. And that is for the Coast Guard and for the United States Navy and the Royal Navy, known as the Navy Hymn. And that is our hymn, you know. If you've ever been out there, that song has a different meaning. Completely. Hmm. There is nothing greater than... The ability to save someone's life. And we do it in so many ways. It's not just surf and rescue. Making sure you're both safe. Working in waterways management. You know, processing requests for marine events. For for 4th of July fireworks show. To make sure that boating traffic is safe Mm -hmm. for that. There's a reason we have a whole prevention sector. It's to prevent. Mm. You know, prevention, enforcement, response, whatever, are all saving lives. You Mm. know, PA specialists, saving lives. They're making people aware. We all serve a different capacity, but it all arches to the same. We're all shipmates, all family, and our mission is to all save lives. Team Coast Guard. It's It's what we do. Mm -hmm. It's who we are. 
This is an amazing episode to have been able to talk to you, Mr. Campbell. Well, I'm and, thrilled to do it. I think you know that, you know, I, I believe truly what I say. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and, and love and the passion, as you mentioned earlier, it extends to all the members of the service. That's what we're here to do. And the other Give thing our is, passion. our other services, we cannot, for one single moment, diminish their importance. Correct. But when you stop and think about it, they can't legally do anything in the United States. Posse Comitatus Act of 1867. They can't do any enforcement. They can't do any anti-terrorist activities in the United States. That falls all in the That all goes overseas. And they are our first line of defense. The other services, Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force are our first line of defense. The Coast Guard, we're the last line of defense. Correct. And more than when you're in that position, that, like they say, the bad guys only have to get it right once. We have to get it right every day. Mm-hmm. And that's who we do. That's what we do. Thank you again, Mr. Campbell. And Scott. I really appreciate having you on here and taking your time out of your day to come and talk. It's such a delight. Thank you. Thank you for your volunteering and service. Oh. All the years. <laughs> I'm not through yet. Anymore. You've been you've been serving the Coast Guard a lot longer than I I'm have. seventy two years old, still wearing a uniform, as you can see. Still serving. Every day. Hey. Think I don't you think maybe my life has some purpose? Much. Very much, much purpose. Thank you. Well, thank you again. And uh we appreciate having you on. <laughs> I'm glad to be on. Thank you. And for the listeners, thank you for tuning in and hearing Mr. Campbell's story and learn more about the Coast Guard Auxiliary. There's so much more, too. CGOx.org. Barely scratched the surface. <laughs> but mm-hmm. CGOx, CGAUX.org. I would encourage everyone to look into it to learn what the auxiliary does, at the very least. Not consider joining up yourself. The volunteer work they do is amazing. And I've learned an hour's worth of information in this hour-long podcast. Because <laughs> I knew about 5% of what I learned today. Just like many of the listeners here have probably not heard a ton about them. You know, Our Coast Guard viewers know the auxiliary, but it's amazing treat. So thank you again. And we look forward to hearing you all in the next episode. And have a great day.